Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. I'm Warren Bernard. Today we're going to do a dive into Superman in the late 30s, early 40s. Uh, before we do that, I want to ask everybody out there that's watching to like, follow, and subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe YouTube channel if you haven't already done so. Hit the bell icon next to the subscribe button and you will be notified when a new video goes up. This will help offset the uh, Kayfabe effect. Sometimes we look at a comic book, people decide they want it in their collection and they run out to eBay or their local comic shop. If you hit that bell icon, you will be notified first and have a leg up on the competition. Also, let these videos play through to the end. That allows YouTube to share these videos with other comics fans who may not be familiar with Cartoonist Kayfabe yet. Helps grow the uh, Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Probably going to have to sell off some of your Bitcoins to get you a Superman number, number 13. Uh, but uh, before we put the cameras on, we had a private CGC snuff video where we busted this out of the uh, plastic uh, sarcophagus that it was encased in. Uh, so, Uncle Warren, the, the question is always, whenever you bring one of these CGC comics that we sort of uh, let breathe, why, why'd you scoop this issue of uh, Superman up? Okay, so there, there were a couple of reasons. One, I, I wanted, uh, I'm trying to collect one from every single um, title that was out there. And I, had, I didn't have one from Superman, but arguably just as important is, is that this one is pre-Pearl Harbor. So here's Superman, as he did many times prior to Pearl Harbor, doing some kind of battle. But in doing my research, and when you look at the covers of Action Comics and Superman in 1938, 39, and 40, and into 41, whenever he was battling somebody that was military in nature, there was one where, you know, people were in front of a firing squad, stuff like that. They were generic figures. They were generic um, uniforms. They sort of looked like the Nazis. They also sort of looked like the Soviets, who at the time, you know, up until June, between September of 39 and June of 41, they were as big of aggressors as the Nazis were, which pe most people don't forget. Superman, interestingly enough, this was the first time the Wehrmacht thing came on Superman comics, and... The November and December issues of Action Comics was the first time the swastika came on Superman Comics. So after two years of, two and a half years of generic military stuff, they finally came out and said, okay, it's really the Nazis, right? right? And like I said, this is also pre-Pearl Harbor. So November would have gone on sale uh, last week in September. It was only about six weeks in between the dates. It's also pre uh jack kirby dynamism man because that's a little dinger right there <laughs> that's a little dinger of a hit yeah exactly exactly so and and you know here it is the they've they've sunk some ship and there are a bunch of people that they're you know it's not enough we sank the ship we're now going to go ahead and run over the people who are in the lifeboats <laughs> doesn't superman look good against yellow like that that's a trick yeah. that they use so much in these old covers yeah, yeah there, there's a number of famous yellow ones Oh, dude, we're going Harvey Comics, man, leading with ads. Yep. What do you say, Jimmy, the most expensive uh, page in, the, in a magazine? Page one? Yes, you don't see it too often in comic books. This is uh, this is pretty good. Yeah, it, it's, it's a rarity. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a rarity on the DC Comics for sure. And here we go. Now, now this first, all of the, in the research I've done, and the research that's out there online, all of the stories in here were written by Jerry Siegel. Yes. But only the first one had... Um, Schuster doing any kind of the art. All the rest were people in the bullpen. Jack Burney. Right, exactly. Um, so, uh, 
The unity of the nation is threatened by machinations of a cunning being known as the light. <laughs> Superman, defender of democracy. Ah, here we go. All right. Swings into action to combat a dark menace that threatens to engulf and enslave a continent. Now, you know, this is all also, you know, World War II. Is this where, all, where like, the truth, justice, and the American way? Like, it must have that, been... That was from the radio program. And okay. would, would, when was that? Would that have The been radio program of... started up February 1940. So okay. it would have been about a year and a half before this came out. So by the time this came out... Um, they already had the Sunday page was out, the Daily page was out, and we'll get some more into that. The co the cartoons, the Fleischer cartoons, came out in September of '41, and we'll get into that also. Uh, so by this point, he was full blown pop culture. You can't get any more saturated than Superman. You could you could easily imagine how, you know, the the feds would like want to co-opt this guy as a propaganda figure. And guess what? They did. Yeah. <laughs> And, and then it even adds to it when when you get to like Watchmen and like of course, you know, the 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 government would want to use their have have their own Superman. Right. So, um, like I said, the, the research showed that um, Schuster did draw some of this, <laughs> and and that it's so funny the way this stuff worked because every story has the same beats. You know, he's got to yeah. perform a superheroic feat. Uh, without Lois ever finding out his identity. Yeah. So there's literally a part where, and it might be this one, where she looks a certain direction, he leaves, gets in the costume, beats a couple guys up, has a conversation, and comes back right as she's about to like look back at him. Yes, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Faster than a speeding bullet. And he's like, oh man, that was, that was a close one. She almost, she, she almost looked back a, a second too early. Right, all right. So, and and this this all looks, you know, this is early Superman stuff. This um, and, and they're going after senators. This is the era of spies and saboteurs, right? Which exactly. would have just when you read those old Siegel Schuster Supermans, that's the height of the villain that they could like dream up. Is just like these perilous, you know cloak and dagger guys right right, you know, right once again that's another great function of kirby like when you hear uh or read interviews with him where he's talking about like you create this super heroic figure now you have to have a super heroic threat the threat has to be bigger right that's something that siegel and schuster never figured out yeah well and of course it's uh lex luther yes probably always luther probably every Spoiler, issue Ed. yeah probably every issue and there it is. Surprise, Man of Steel, Luther. Jerry Siegel draws every dude with the same face. Yes. Yeah. He he um uh, was he he was not up there with Jack Cole. Okay. Let's just <laughs> <laughs> let's just put it that way. They had a good idea, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I was surprised reading this. The depiction of Lois Lane, who is pretty capable. She gets pinched, I think, once or twice in this, but she also lies to Clark Kent so that she can be the one covering yes, stories. Like right. it's it's pretty good. She's very active. And and oh by the way, in, in, in where there's another thing that they took from the pulps, and that was um, to have a club. Okay, well before Superman even was thought of, you had the Shadow Club, you had the Doc Savage Club, you had the Operator Five Club. So so the pulp heroes had their clubs and really it's we've just always a, wanted your address yeah it really yeah, give right. us your address that's yeah. that's the function it's it's we we need your address we could sell the mailing list to other advertisers uh, that that junk mail gets to you some way right you know, they exactly. figure out where the heck you live somehow so so like i said you know the, the, this concept of of um, media saturation 
really the pinnacle was right here in 1941 because by that point everything was out the, the radio show was out now the only thing that they didn't have was a serial right. and so there were some negotiations over a serial in 1939 it's unclear exactly what happened the histories aren't you know it's we don't know if it's one side or the other and then what the i think it was republic pictures something they said okay screw you superman we're gonna go to captain marvel right yeah and captain marvel was the first of the superheroes to have their own serial but superman was the first one to have cartoon series uh sunday strip and radio show right and serial we mean serialized broadcast right seri- not, right yeah not, not mr not the, t yeah serial we're not talking cheerios okay right <laughs> So, so these are, uh, yeah, this is the archer. So this is another arch, you know, of course, then again, it looks to me like green arrow, right? But, um, so so someone, they, they got a little lazy, but all, you know, all primary colors. I like that. They at least tried to bring some new stuff in. Uh, the the other thing is, uh, that, that is different from, from every other comic is that these are all Superman stories in these issues. Uh, and in those old comics, like even if it was like a Batman comic or something, there there would be B-list stories of of, yeah. of other characters, other superheroes. They're, they're trying to get some other stuff to stick. This is all Superman, and it actually gets real boring uh, yes. because because it's it's uh, hitting all the same notes, right? And right. Uh, you know they're they're. To bring in the Archer is cool. You're 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 trying something because the other stories, I don't think you have anything. It's just like well and random stiffs and also superman was the first of superheroes to have his own book Mm, okay right so there were not you know before superman came along there there was no concept of giving any of these guys their own their own book but superman became so big they were like you know that's it it's one of those fascinating like walk crawl run kinds of things because it's like okay now a superhero has his own book but he doesn't have like can can a readership sustain 50 pages of a single story no we got to give you five five small ones early mr rogers appearance yes right (laughs) well and and i I wanted to stop here um because uh um here we have everybody's wearing superman moccasins now this is the other thing that you know you know we we've talked about this on other shows about how um you know different characters had all the merchandising and Superman was merchandised. This is uh, the first comic fan that got his ass beat. Wearing a pair of Superman moccasins <laughs> at the school. Super now, excited, ready to show them off. And, and, and oh, by the way, I, I pay attention to all of the um, uh, Superman auctions. I've never seen one of these come up for an auction. Oh, uh, you know so, they were so cheaply made. Just oh, yeah, sure. Just a piece of sweatshop garbage. Well, and, and here's, so I wanted to, so I brought uh, a piece from my collection. I don't have a lot of stuff, but I got this because of the tie-in to World War II and this is 1940 so this is about a year year and a half before the comic book you always impress me when you can read these like high up roman numerals oh yeah the, the, it's i it's what they taught us okay um and here remember what i was saying about the generic nature of the people that he was battling these aren't german helmets they're not russian helmets they're they're, they're just like some helmets that they've put together this is basically a world war one tank it didn't look like anything that was on on the road in world war ii but uh, once again, it, you know, Siegel and Schuster were very conscious about the war and, and presenting Superman as being anti-war and stopping this stuff. So that's the way I got this. And for, for those of you that are interested, there are three complete puzzles on the inside. See, look, here's one of, uh, oh, I can't, can't get into all of them. So there's one of the cover, and then there's this one of uh, uh, smashing the plane, 
okay with the with the uh, Navy with the army pilot in there so that that gives you an idea I had I this is the only one that I wanted there were other um, puzzle boxes that came out with different covers and different puzzles in them so this was the only one that I that I that I ever wanted because it was the whole World War II thing and you can tell it's drawn by somebody who wasn't in the DC yeah, right. comics. Yeah, right. Uh, sure, they that was a puzzle maker that did the artwork. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was uh... all right. So there's that. So, so merchandising. Superman had it. He, like I said, pop culture phenomenon. I'm sorry. Somebody was making money, fucking hands over fist, and it wasn't Siegel and Schuster. Shouts to Jack Leibowitz. Right. So here we go. That's a cool splash yeah. with the uh, Superman sideways. Yeah. That is a nice one. Yeah, that's a thing. They they never like really foreshorten no. the figure. He's always on a side view, like sort of no matter what. And you talk about the not super stories of, of this era of Superman, like he's babysitting. He's babysitting, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, so they, they there were a lot of these stories that you read them and you're like, what what this doesn't it's not really grabbing you. Okay? Yeah, it's 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 a real sort of surprise like sort of what connects and what hits because now when you read up the pure Siegel and Schuster Superman's like there there are some good ones in there right like, yes. I, it's super readable but then when you get these it's it's basically clear that these are b-list stories just meant to pad out the the book right they also feel like they're very story driven like this is plot right somebody it's it's uh, that lady's yeah. husband died he's an inventor these guys want the invention for some other nation or whatever it's it's like driven by this plot heavy idea we haven't figured out like let the art do some stuff right like, right for right. the right for the art let's get some visuals in here and and of course you can't go through any comic book of the era without in-house ads oh sure so uh and it's nice seeing these things okay because you see what's what's on the newsstand at the same time yeah, that world's finest. They're setting up to play baseball there. Yeah. <laughs> that answers the question on who's the batter and who's the pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> and and of course they they had to. Oh look, it's a Gardner Fox no less. That's pretty cool. Yeah, got to get your media mail rates. Mm -hmm. That's right, exactly. And here's uh, Henry Boltonoff, who did a ton of this stuff for DC Comics. This yeah, it's interesting. For my money, that's a better-looking comic than most of what we're seeing in, in most of these Superman yeah. comics. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, it feels more like a cartoonist. That's the spirit uh, that like Bob Kane came from, uh, that doing doing those kinds of comics rather right. than you know adventure strips. And and here's that's an, like a pretty ambitious yeah, that's pretty image good. right there. And then here's another. I I love these in-house ads. Can we tell what issue of uh, Action Comics? It's uh, Action Comics at? 41 for there, but because this is a November December issue. Um, the one that was back here was Action Comics number 42. Yeah, that just gives some context yeah, for there we go. where we are There's 42. with the introduction of Superman. You yeah. know, three, three and a half, four years. And then uh, this more fun comic has Dr. Fate fighting on a U-boat. So, you know, so this whole concept of the war was deeply ingrained, showing that the people in comic books wanted us to get into the war. In fact, superheroes are there, we need to be there, so... Um, the Star Spangled Comics is the new DC Monthly now on sale everywhere. So this is D uh, Star Spangled Comics, Star Spangled Comics number two. Got uh, Adventure Starman, Green Lantern and All American, Detective and Batman, Flash and the Flash, of course. Doc Fate on more fun. So, you st at this time considered patriotic. You do that now, considered jingoism. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole it's a whole different thing. 
Don't get me started on that. Oh, look, some equipment. Every now and then we're throwing some equipment. This is straight out of Buck Rogers. Yeah, man, and, and the Fleischers would pick up on that. Yes. You know, yeah, fight yeah. weird robo tin robots and shit. Yeah, this is probably the funner uh, of the stories in this issue because now you've got a monster that he's got to uh, dispatch. And right. boy, man, tasking these poor guys who try <laughs> to design something. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that back then they, they were like, what the hell are we going to do this month? about a subterranean race that's ready to reclaim the surface of the earth. I think that'll be a George Reeves episode at some point, right? Yes. Curse of the Moment. Yep, exactly. And see here, this is this, this is all this is all Buck Rogers. All this stuff. I feel like was there a drill thing in All-Star Superman? Oh, Do you remember I that? I feel like that might have been in in the middle of that series, but So here we are and then here's um uh, Fred Harmon's Red Rider yeah, man. in the back. He Does was a great him? artist. I don't know if you've seen much of his stuff. A little bit. He, he was he was really good. And so there is uh, Superman number thirteen, and there's Red Rider again. I don't see a compass in the no. stock with the thing that tells time. <laughs> <laughs> Cartoonist Kayfabe is brought to you by the comic books that we make. Ed Piskor and Jim Rugg are Eisner Award-winning cartoonists who are applying all of the stuff that they're learning from the comics they check out on Cartoonist Kayfabe to their own craft. Uh, right now, today, uh, the new works by me, Ed Piscor, are uh, the Red Room series of comics. The Antisocial Network is a trade paperback that collects the 2021 season of Red Room material. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game in the Red Room series. And the current season of comics is called Trigger Warnings. In March, uh, the Red Room Trigger Warnings issue number one saw the light of day. Uh, every issue is completely self-contained and forthcoming on a monthly basis will be further issues this is the cover you want to look for uh, when you hit the comic book shops in april you could see due to paper shortages and print delays we were not allowed to uh change our files so disregard that january uh statement right there april comes red room trigger warnings issue number two uh in the bibliography rising tide raises all ships here are some other books in my bibliography that you could get your hands on that are still in print. WYSIWYG, Portrait of a Serial Hacker. X-Men Grand Design, three volumes of that. And Hip Hop Family Tree, four volumes of this comic are uh, freshly in print. It was out of print for a little while, but thanks to uh, the cartoonist Kayfabe audience, we rushed this sucker back to print. Coming March 30th, uh, Hulk Grand Design Monster, and in April, Hulk Grand Design Madness, where Jimmy is taking the entire history of the Incredible Hulk and distilling it down into two 40-page volumes of Grand Design comics. These are some of the other variant comic covers that you're going to be able to find on the racks. The Ed Piscor variant, Peach Momoko, Marcos Martin for that first issue of Hulk Grand Design, and for Madness... Got that Jeff Darrow cover, Ed McGinnis. The books that Jim has currently in print, Plain Janes and Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive. Uh, scoop these comics up. We love seeing these numbers rise on the Amazon rankings, and we love hearing from the publishers that we have to go back to press. Now that we're done paying the bills, back to the video. So in 1942, this book came out. All right. And this book helped lay the basis for 
the whole Krypton, um, fly to Earth, Jor-El, Lara, all, all of all of that stuff. So yeah. it wasn't in the comics. It was. Uh... Well, I'll I'll show. I'm going to give you an example of what happened in the comics. And and for instance, Mon Pa Kent's names were different here. It wasn't standardized to Jonathan and Martha until the 50s. So that kind of moved around a little bit. And so, um, and what's interesting about this is, is that these are all um, Joe Schuster. Is that true? Yeah. Well, how about this? This is what the book's saying. It says here, illustrated by Joe Schuster. Now, um, I don't know one way or the other whether or not that's true or not, or whether or not they put it on here. It's real interesting mark-making, man. Yeah, it's kind of raw. It's uh, almost coming from an illustration side or something. Yeah. Also, then, or, then, or dashed out very quickly. Right? And then, then there are these color plates. Okay. That's a cool book, man. Yeah, it's um, uh, some light reading. It's a big font. Probably any yeah. young, younger readers. Yes, uh, I think there were four plates in here. Yeah, here's another one. Ooh, a left-hand plate. Here's another plate. Now, did, did Schuster really do these? Um, it says so on the front, but I, you know, I can't tell you definitively one way or the other. Here's another, another color plate. Oh, he didn't do that. He didn't do that one. Yeah, so... Now, um, so so they tried to go ahead and tried to standardize the origin, and we'll get into that in a second. It's pretty interesting, like the the, the repulpizing it, you know, having all this text and having like the, these like st right. single images, single page images. So, um, so this was put out at the at in 1945. This came out. So this is the only superhero. Golden Age superhero stuff that got their own, that got his own armed services edition. So this was a this was this shrunk down. They took out all the drawings, and there was a series. This is number six hundred fifty four. They would get famous books, and print them up and send them to the guys overseas so they could carry them around in their in their knapsacks and not have to spend a lot of space carrying these books around. So th these are. This is common. You can find copies of this. This one you can't find copies of. One, it was first put out in May of 45, and the war was over like a couple of months later, so there weren't that many that got out in circulation. And then finding them in good shape is a whole other thing. I got these. I got this last century. So not only did they did, was he the first novelized superhero, but then he was the only of the superheroes to be put into the Armed Services editions. Just to show you how, so that shows you how big he was. Okay, so this is Showman Trade Review. So th this went out to movie theater owners. And this is May 3rd, 1941. And I got it specifically for this. So in here is a whole ad section by Paramount Pictures featuring all of their um, shorts that they were going to release for the 1941-42 season. And look what they're leading with is Superman. Literally on the marquee. Literally on the marquee. And so right here, now people... So here, here he is right next to Popeye. Now, Popeye at the time, just so people understand, in the 1930s, Popeye overcame Mickey Mouse as the number one animated cartoon character, bar none. And so here was the very pop popular Popeye, and they're putting it right next to Superman. So I said this was May of 1941. One Real Cartoons in Technicolor released once each month starting in September. So they were already promoting the Superman cartoons to be placed into movie theaters, what's this, four months 
before the cartoons actually hit. That's cool to know, like, how they distributed that stuff and when they put it out, like, you know, one per month, and these things are, like, five minutes or something. Yeah, exactly. Pretty, pretty quick, so... And, and the Fleischer Studios, that's the luscious, most beautiful animation. Well, and at that time, the Superman cartoons were the most expensive cartoons made. I Period, end of, end of statement. No one even came close in terms of the dollar amounts that they spent on the Superman cartoons. I believe it. And, and they were spectacular. I mean, when you see good prints of that, you're sitting there going... Whoa! It's, it's like, I mean, they have gradients in the color, so it's yeah. like they're airbrushing the cells at times. Look at the numbers that they throw out. Yes. 38 million fans, uh, 20 million circulation of newspapers that it appears in, you know, readers, 3 million for the comic book magazines, 10 million for the radio show. Right. It's it's interesting to see, like, those numbers just touted. I, you know, like, now everybody's cynical, and if you did that, it'd be like, where are you getting these numbers? Yeah. But that was a real like badge of like look well we've got the biggest character around ab absolutely and, and this is what i was saying er earlier was it's difficult for us to comprehend how big he was from a pop culture media saturation standpoint okay because then once these started coming out you had all these people going to the movies and also seeing superman you could not escape superman 170,000 uh, children joining the Superman of America Club, 10 cents a pop. Big mailing list, man. Big mailing list. Absolutely. I mean, all of these numbers let you know why that character like is exists today. Because it's been trailing off since 42 or something like yeah, that. Right. But no, it, yeah. it started so strong. It's such a vestige of this very right. old time. Legacy. And try as they may, like they keep playing with the formula, shaking it up, trying to do stuff with it. It's kind of impossible for the modern cynical yes. age. You imagine well, going going back in time and being like, hey, uh, you know, new Superman comics were selling, you know, 28,000 copies or whatever the number is. This is a funny one too. More than 5 million Superman items sold at prices ranging from 14 cents to $1.79. What weird stuff. This is how you're selling your new cartoon. Yeah. Well, well, but, okay, so now I did some research, okay, as we were talking about before, and we'll get more into this when we bring up the Sunday sections. So it says right here, circulation over 20 million readers. Well, how many people were living in the United States at that time? The population of the United States in 1940 was 131,669,000. So... That is like one in every six and a half people in the United States were exposed to Superman with the, with the uh, Sunday pages and the, and the daily pages, okay? Three million, that's 2% of the population buying those magazines. These are, um, you know, to get anything even remotely close to that today, it would be, think about it, your circulation on a comic book at six million? No. Right. So, so... Yeah, you have to take into the context of how many people were around at that time, and given that. And by the way, there were only 20, 34 million households, and because these, you know, the, no city had Superman in more than one paper, so these twenty million went into twenty million different households, and that meant that that was getting into what. 60 70 percent right of, like two-thirds uh, yeah yeah it was it was just some these numbers are mind-boggling okay and we'll get into some more detail a little later so um so superman um had this just great media impact and the united states army well i'm sorry yeah the united states government 
So th this serves double purpose. So here is um, victory through savings. So this is selling war bonds, fourth war loan. So this is uh, 1944. And it says a new Paramount Superman cartoon is coming. So this, this is solving about three things at one time. It's promoting Superman. It's promoting the war loan. It's promoting war bonds and stamps. And it's also promoting the Superman cartoon all at the same time. Right. All right. We're on a paper drive, people. Man, we got to get a bunch of uh, information out there at once. Right, exactly. And and these things are, you know, th there were a number of these things that are printed, but they're very rare. Not copyright national, not copyright DC. It's copyright, copyright Superman, Superman Incorporated. Inc. Yep. And then, then down here, um, it says uh, Paramount Pictures, because Fleischer was bought by Paramount in 41. So by this point, they were gone. All right. So... The, the cartoons were, were big enough that they were, you know, had this kind of promotion beforehand, and then afterwards they, they tied the cartoons in with World War II. And speaking of World War II, I just want to show everybody some cool Superman World War II things. So the first one is, I'm going to take a look at this. Um, so, so Look Magazine... In 19, so this is 1940 issue, February 27, 1940. So Superman had been around for uh, about a year and a half at this point, and Look Magazine, which had a circulation in 1941 of 1 1.9 million people, says Superman cap captures Hitler and Stalin. And we open this up, and here is this great article: Superman new comic strip proves his money, big money, and fantasy. Down here, so remember, this is February of, of 1940. was probably written somewhere November, December 1939. Action Comics, with regular installments of Superman, leads the field of comic magazines, latest public sens publishing sensation, with 600,000 copies a month, and Superman quarterly sells a million. Newspaper, syndicated, newspaper syndication reaches 4.5 million readers daily. And here's Siegel, and there's Schuster. And this both look at the height of their powers, man. Looking real spry. I, I like to, I like to see that. And you know, I wish I had that Sunday page in my collection. It, here, here's the, here's the thing to the kayfabers out there, man. Because this is a kayfabe photo. There ain't no artist who is going to risk getting ink splotches on like all their strips worth of work. They're just like making sure that's not a white table in the photo. They're keeping things interesting, stacking up all the original art that way. Nobody does that. Yeah. Well, stage photo. You know, you, you, you don't even know if they're at their real desks. I like that they got suits on and stuff, man. Right, yes. Wearing ties at the, at the board. So, uh, so in this one, this has been reprinted a number of times, but this is where Superman um, takes a Hitler and Stalin. The people, you know, we've got the stuff going on with the Ukraine today. Well, Stalin tried to do the same thing with Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. He started a Russo-Finnish war. And in 19, early 1940, he was considered as, the Russians were considered as much of a warmonger as Hitler was. Okay. So Hitler had not gone into Western Europe at this point. So they, they were like, okay, we've got Superman. And, and also notice he's got, he's white, he's not blue. And they didn't even put a gray in there. And he's got naked legs. Yeah. Got naked legs. And he basically goes and gets Hitler and Stalin and brings them in front of the League of Nations. Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin, we pronounce you guilty of modern history's greatest crime, unprovoked aggression against defenseless countries. Gee, 
Let me think about this. <laughs> Couldn't we use one of those today? <laughs> it's surprising that they uh, go with the pink rather yeah. than a blue. Uh, or even the black instead of a blue. It, it, yeah, it's super curious. It, I mean, it looks half finished. Yeah, it really does. So th this has been reprinted, you know. When... You say that. I've never seen this before. This is a, this is a cool piece. Yeah, it's it's one of those ones that, like I said, uh, it's out there on, you know, if, if you look for it, you can find it in digital copy, but very few people actually see the, the actual magazine. So th this was like early on, they he was doing... Um, World War II stuff, and then uh, there's this book. So this, these were the CBs. These were the construction battalions of the uh, of the Navy, and in this one is a special Joe Schuster thing for, and it's actually done for the CBs. Okay, just a little three-panel gimmick. A little three-panel gimmick thing. With best personal wishes to the boys of the 30th Combat Battalion, Construction Battalion. And, uh, you know, here you've got Daniel Fitzpatrick and other cartoons through this, but this is the only one I've, I've seen from Superman. And another one that he did was this one, and this is actually kind of interesting. Um, this was put up by one of the comic book distributors in New York at the time. And this is number 14, Proof of Superman Leadership. You have to assume there's at least 13 more. And who knows what those saying. But but this one is talking about how soldiers prefer Superman. And actually shows a copy of Army Motors magazine. Which in this issue, this Superman strip was printed. And just by comics coincidence, Army Motors magazine, a couple of months after this magazine came out, Will Eisner joined Army Motors magazine and mm. started Joe Dope. Superman is tops. Note, Batman is second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is further proof of popularity and leadership of Superman. Another reason why in the comics field, Action is the leading monthly, Superman the leading bi-monthly, and World's Finest the leading quarterly. Man, you can see how they're building their business right there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, I have never seen 1 through 13, and who knows how many after this um, uh, came out of the independent news. And th this was just something that was... You know, it's folded in half and was uh, sent out to, uh, you know, to, I guess, candy stores and stuff. Yeah, like new, newsstands and stuff. Um, and one last piece from World War II. Uh, Jerry Siegel was, uh, you know something, let me do this. There we go. That's much better. Jerry Siegel was uh, posted at Fort Meade, Maryland. This is a rare page from the Fort Meade Post. With an article about, basically, his Jerry Siegel. Um, private Jerry Siegel. Private Jerry Siegel. This is a little thing that uh, Schuster or someone did. We don't know if Schuster actually did it. Because uh, it says right here, guest cartoon for Fort Meade Post by Jerry Siegel. Well, he didn't draw. Uh, so someone in the bullpen did this to be placed in this magazine, in this uh, newspaper, the camp newspaper. And it was never re it's never been reprinted anywhere. Same thing with that 30th Battalion. It's, an, it's a little piece of propaganda. It's, it's Jerry Siegel saying, like, you know, the creator of, of Superman is basically saying, you know, I'm surrounded by a lot of supermen yeah, here, right. here, here in the army. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was, uh, you know, it was a propaganda fluff piece, and that's what they did with Superman. There, yeah. are, there are other examples. I didn't bring it with me. Other examples of Superman selling war bonds and stuff like that. So 
um, covers of magazine, covers of his, some of his other uh, uh, Superman comics and action comics, selling war bonds and stuff. So if you got that world's finest with the Dick Cannons, we should do that one sometime, man. You know what? Oh no, yeah, it. right. I know which one you're talking about. So, so there was that. Um, so that's like Superman during World War II, and then I wanted to talk just for a couple of minutes about what happened with Superman during World War II in terms of his origin. So. In 1942, they wanted to go ahead and start the storylines fresh. So what they did was, okay, we'll retell the origin. Yeah, and uh, this is, and this is this this is light boxed and better construction of images directly from Action Comics one. Right. So so they reduced the entire origin down to what these nine, eight or nine panels. Okay. And by the way, he was placed in an orphanage. No mention of Mon Pa Kent. No mention of Jorel Alara. Uh, no mention of, you know, some people say this is the first appearance of Superboy. I'm like, give me a fucking break, okay? Um, and he somehow goes through all this stuff and winds up in Metropolis. And uh, and this uh, amazing being... Yeah, yeah right, exactly. <laughs> that seemed to happen a lot in uh, old pop culture, kids' pop culture, just... Safes and shit falling out of windows all the time. Pianos. (laughs) Can't even fit through a window. (laughs) (laughs) And this amazing being grew to manhood and innate desire to help those weaker than himself resulted in the creation of all-powerful Superman, champion of the helpless and oppressed. And here's the kicker. And now Superman lends his vast powers to America's war effort next week and every week. So starting from April 7th, 1942, until 1945, it was all about the war. Now... In 1945, I don't have all the pieces. So somewhere in November of 1945, they started Superman's origin again. And I'm missing the first part, which is Jor-El telling the people in Krypton, the planet's about to blow, we got to get the fuck out of here. All right. (laughs) So here's the one where he's actually placed in the rocket. All right, so this is December 2nd, 1945. Like I said, a week or two before they had started the whole thing. I've never seen this reprinted, um, and uh, there's a lot of Wayne Boring in here. So uh, he goes to Earth, and so this is uh, three weeks later. This is uh, the 23rd, and here it is, continuing the origin of Superman. All right, after the death of his foster parents, so in the three weeks in between... Mon Pa can't come along, they pass away, and here we go. Now we start up with Superman in Metropolis. So they use the origin in the Sunday pages to bracket World War II. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then also they use the second go-around to enhance the whole origin story, as you, as you can see from here. And th- this is one of the early views that we have of what Krypton would have looked like. Yeah, looks pretty wimpy if if you're judging it by its fashion sense. Well, yes, and and that's also Buck Rogers. Okay, totally. so <laughs> also uh, early decompressed storytelling. <laughs> this it, model of like just keep expanding the origin and retelling it over and over, man, is that the present of superheroes? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it 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 all started with Superman. So now speaking of Sunday pages, I I brought some examples. So I went, so I went. I went down to my basement. I have a, as you can imagine, I've got a collection of World War II stuff. So I was like, yeah, I wonder how many newspapers I've got that have Superman in them. And I wound up to have 16 different newspapers with Superman in them. 
You have 16 out of 235. You got some work to do, Lauren. So I decided to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, here we've got, there's the front page of the Sunday Times. Let me just move this over. There we go. So this is the Washington Post, Washington, D.C., Chicago Times. He was also in the Columbus Star, Richmond Times-Dispatch. There we go, R Richmond Times-Dispatch. Oh, man, is that Mac Rayboy on that, on that yes. Flash Gordon joint? Yeah, 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 there we go. All right, he brought it up, Mac Rayboy, Flash Gordon. It says Alex Raymond, but that looks like Mac Rayboy. Yeah, I think it is. And that's definitely how Foster on that back there. Man, these old these old Sundays are exciting, dude. Yeah, they are. So, uh, um, and then you had the broadsheets, and some of them put like this one from Knoxville, Tennessee, put Superman right on the front page. Um, I'm trying to think if there, there are any others with Superman on the front page. I don't think so. So you had uh, the Knoxville Journal, the Minneapolis Star Journal, the Detroit News. Cleveland Plain Dealer, sort of, sort of the home newspaper for the two Cleveland guys. Miami Herald. Boy, Henry on the front of Miami Herald. It's a little surprising. A little actually, they, they, actually, this is the second of their sec sections, okay? Oh, here's another one. Milwaukee Journal on part two. See, some of these places had not one, but two broadsheet sections of cartoons, of comics, that you could spend like an entire day reading this stuff. Yeah, man, it's... It's incredible. All right, Milwaukee Journal, Philadelphia Inquirer, with the Joe Palooka on the front, and the uh, Kansas City Star. So these are some of the papers. And oh, by the way, I, I did some research, and all these papers together had a circulation of five million. That five million constituted just these fifteen, just these fourteen or fifteen papers constituted almost fifteen percent of the households in the United States just from the 13 or 14 papers I've represented here. Big cities, man. Oh my God, yes. Before and Cleveland was the Rust Belt. To show you how prominent Superman was, he was also used to pitch. All right, so here we've got Sunday Mirror from 1940. So this would have been like six or seven months after the Sunday page actually started. It was late, I think it was like November, December of 39. So here's this great little topper, Superman now in the, in the Sunday Mirror. And that's drawn by some goofballs. Yes, man. That exactly. That ain't anybody who fucks with the strip. So Superman was used in newspapers to go ahead and promote the comics and to get more people to read. And the, the most interesting example is this from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. There we go. That uh, this is a special section, special broadsheet section, promoting all of their comic strips, and Superman is prominent up here and on the inside front cover. What do we have? But Superman. Yeah, and this is December 1939. So Superman is a very new phenomenon, and it, and right. it's and it's immediately caught a big wave. Immediately caught a big it caught a big wave. Right, exactly. This is cool. I was curious to see what the daily strip would look like because it seems like such a big concept that would would be hard to like pit nail down into four square panels. And the answer is they just didn't. You know, sometimes you get some big big images. Well, I I read I forgot where I read this, but there were at one point there were 235 papers with Superman in them daily, but only 90 with Superman Sunday. Yeah, and it would be a common practice. Like there's a Sunday story that happens, and then there's a daily that it wouldn't really intersect. 
Well, and and also, by the way, and some papers were only Monday through Saturday. We're only on Monday through Saturday, and um, some papers just they were like, we're not going to pay the money. We've got enough color stuff in our in whatever the sections are. Right. So imagine if if these newspapers had picked up Superman first. And Superman is licensed then to your comic books. How much different those guys' lives would have been? Well, just how, yeah. how much different, like the well, they, like, they like our jobs. Well, yeah. that's what I mean because it's yeah. so famous that everybody passes on Superman, right? And then finally, uh, you know, Max Gaines at DC is like, "All right, we'll we'll give this a shot," and it explodes, right? It changes yeah. the history of comics. Yeah. But it could have gone the other way. It could oh, have been absolutely. a comic a comic yeah. strip first, yeah. and he then licensed out. Al Cap. He could have been Dick. Tr he could have been Chester Gould. He could have been Popeye. Any, any of those these, guys. Yeah. Right. But, but I mean, so, they they do cite Superman as being the thing to make comic books and industry. So like, what happens with that? It wasn't famous funnies. That was like the the tentpole comic. Right. It, it was, sure. It was action comics and Superman. Right. So it's like we we might be, the, the comic industry might have been dead. In the fifties or something, yeah, yeah. You know, so maybe yeah, earlier, so, right, right. But but if you think about it, there, there are these two really almost dichotomous stories that kind of go with this. Well, if they'd gone down in this direction, this would have happened, but this wouldn't, right? Okay. But then this did happen, and these guys were poor. Yeah, okay? yeah, so, yeah. There's there's questions too because it's like they wanted the strip, they had to settle for the comic. Comic goes gangbusters, creates an opportunity to have a strip. So do they just go, fuck, we got what we wanted. We just had to go this circuitous route to get there. Yeah, like, there's such a success story at different points in their career, right? Like at this right. point, man, they're the they're the they're the the bell of the ball. And man, you cut to a decade later and it's a very different story. Yeah, for them. exactly. No, it it all got taken away from them and they, they had they had pop cultural gold. I mean just the just those numbers we were talking about about the penetration into households, unprecedented. Okay, and never to you know, never to be repeated. You would not get that kind of coverage these days. So weird to think too, because there there is editorial at at DC. So they created this whole idea. They they generated the concept and they made the comic that got put into Action Comics one, and they were right. And now you have to like listen to people. So now you have to have Superman get babies out of trees or whatever the fuck that one story was. They get yeah get right exactly yeah yeah. So. Um... I just wanted to put this up so we had a nice little thing to end on. There we go. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, all these people, like I said, what did I say, 50 million people reading this. And th this is something we have to wrap our heads around. Action Comics only came out once a month. That's, that's great. They're mainly bought by kids. This was <laughs> 50 million people every Sunday getting this stuff. And that does, doesn't include the daily ones. So millions and millions of people were exposed to this. And by the way, up until Batman came along in was it 1943, there were no other superhero comic strips. Well, I mean, there was Phantom, right? That's, yeah, but that's... I'm sorry. I'm coming from the comic book world. Yeah, sure. Yeah, coming from sure. the comic book world. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, with all this tremendous opportunity, though, not to end on a sour note, uh, there's not, there's not like, a crown jewel story that's pulled from here or anything like that they, right. they, yes. they yeah. had the chance they, they didn't make a piece of magic there, there, was, there just... was no galactus and silver surfer right that, yeah. that came out of this okay. yeah no I, I agree there there was no su superman story that you know um stood the test of time there's that initial idea that initial concept the look coming off the great depression whatever recipe was in the air to make this thing what it was like jerry 
like Siegel and Schuster, they, they took it so only so far, and yeah. then you know the the numbers, the inertia of it had just has kept it going forever. Like it's been left to generations of artists to just try to figure out what the hell to do with this. Well, yeah, exactly. Which which is why, for instance, in the late fifties and early sixties. You started getting the imaginary stories, right? Yeah, with right. the big heads and yeah, the, so the lions, Superman, Superman red, <laughs> Superman blue. Okay, so, um, Superman being trapped um, under a red sun by Lex Luthor. You know, all of these stories because they, by that point, they had run out of you know ammunition. So, yeah, whenever you're saying like no significant story comes out of this, you're referring to the comic strips. Right, but then I think about the comic books. And Me too. Like, That's like, what I was going to say. The, like the big one there, yeah. because you look at Batman, and I guess you look at Frank Miller, you know, Dark Knight Returns or something. Yeah, sure. There isn't you could a say New Adams, like like that kind of stuff. Could you? Because what's Batman? the New Adams story? Ra's al Ghul. Or well, something? it's 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 the general idea. Like, I mean, it's good looking. We think of it as good looking comic book art if you value line density and photorealism or whatever. But I don't know that there's a story. Right. Right, right. You know, exactly. and that's why I think we get the origin over and over right, and over yeah. because, like you say, that's the part. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's the origin that's the story out of Superman. Uh, you know, bar none. Um, and uh, it seems like an opportunity. You'd think guys, creators would be lined up at DC pitching. I've got the Superman story. Right. And if it hasn't happened in 80 years, like, <laughs> maybe it's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, so, remember they, they had the Superman sand, you know, turned it to sand thing in the early 70s to try to decrease the amount of his powers. I mean, they, they, they tried all kinds of things to give them some kind of opportunity to do something else because they had, they had run out of steam by at least the late 50s. I'm just trying to think, like, I mean, I'm sure stuff has been written about this. Like, this is... A character I don't think about too much, which is why I'm glad you brought all this stuff in and we could have the, this look because I just don't know that we're going to look at all that much Superman on the channel. But I'm thinking about like, was there like another rush of immigration in the in the early 1900s? Like, like this this hit something for people at a certain point yes. in time. Yeah. And and the context is a little bit lost on me. I'm I'm just trying to think about like, you know, the, is it the depression? Is it new immigration? Because uh, it's a it's an immigrant story in a way. You can well, look at yes. it in a sci-fi yeah. kind of way. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely an, an immigrant story. And, of course, you know, they were they were um, descendants of immigrants, as the case may be. Yeah. There's but, also crime as a big piece of comics, of of, the, of uh, American society in the 30s in terms of bank robbers and mistrust of all these different well, groups. But, yeah. but, but also you had, so you, you had a couple of things that were going on pretty much almost at the exact same time. One, you had Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon on the screen. Okay, so you had that level of superheroes. When you went to the newsstand, there was the Shadow, there was the Spider, there was Doc Savage. And this was the first comic visualization of all this stuff. Yeah. Be, uh, that, that, you know, for this type of character. Yeah, okay, you had the Phantom, right, and you had stuff in comic strips. But in terms of that comic book format, this, this is the one that, for whatever the reason was, it caught on. It was like it was like the the Batman TV show from the 1960s. If you step back and you look at it, it's like, why was this thing popular? All right, it was it's just camp garbage, but it was incredibly popular for that for that two or three seasons. It couldn't be beat. So it, it's difficult to kind of put yourself into the psyche of the time to say, well, it was this or it was that, because one we weren't there, and also 
think about it, you know, you're some kid, you get action with newsstands, you're like, oh my God, what the hell is this? A dude's holding up a car. That's like, right. Like you probably couldn't even imagine something That's like true. that. That's true. That's one of those uh, images worth a thousand words. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So no one had ever seen anything like that before. Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers, Doc Savage, The Shadow, The Spider, none of them did that. Right. right. They didn't have the super strength. They couldn't, you know, leap tall buildings in a single bound or whatever whatever it is you wanted to do. That was the fun thing too, man. It was like it was leaping tall buildings. Like the idea yes. of flying was too far. <laughs> right. No, no, it's true. He, he could jump a, a mile in the sky. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And 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 so, you know, thinking about this time, so th this is 1942-1941. He Superman was on all cylinders. Radio show, 50 million people. Um, or 20 million people on the radio show, 50 million people reading uh, the comic strip, a couple million people reading the comic books, all right? You had the, um, uh, uh, you had the cartoons coming out from the Fleischers, and so there was this, from like 1939 to about 1942-43, there was nothing bigger. Jimmy, okay. I might have the name All the of merchandising, this. too. I might have the name of this video, man. Superman, king of all media. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so there, there was, for, as, as they say, for one brief shining moment, this was it. It wasn't that brief. He, he had a run. Yeah, he had a, he had a decade. Yeah. But, yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about these three or four years where, you know, yeah. it just... And, of course, then again, when, this, when the um, TV show came in in the 50s, that was another, yeah. another big bump. So it's a good commercial for the comics, no doubt, man. Uh, Uncle Warren, thank you so much. Thank you for, for having for me. For bringing this material. This is stuff that is just outside of the wheelhouse, Jimmy and myself. And whenever you're in town, always appreciate when you bring uh, these these rare treasures to the to the studio, man, to put under the microscope. My pleasure. Can you let uh, people know where they need to go? Later yes, this year. later this year, Small Press Expo, September 17th, 18th, up, uh, down in Bethesda, Maryland, or down from Pittsburgh, anyway. Uh, www.smallpressexpo.com. I hope to see you there. All right, Kfabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. Jim, Jimmy, what's out there? Hulk Grand Design Monster number one hits comic shops this month. Tell your local comic shop you want a copy if you haven't already. It is going through 60 years of Hulk history and two oversized epic... Uh, comic books, perfect for the longtime Hulk fan or the first-time Hulk comic book reader. And you can join me on patreon.com slash jimrug to see more of my comic art. Red Room Trigger Warnings issue number one is on the stands today. It's going to be coming out on a monthly basis, and every single issue is completely self-contained. So if you see an issue, scoop it up. You're going to get a complete story. Uh, I'm serializing these comics on my Patreon as we speak before they hit paper. Three bucks for the archive there, patreon.com slash edpiscorp. Uh, you could get the links to order the comics or hit up the Patreon at my link tree in the description below this video. Jimmy, what else do we have out there? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. That's another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Jimmy, given those marching orders, we'll be on our way. Read more comics.